This is Rio of Madison Rising, and you're listening to our acoustic version of the Star Spangled Banner here on KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what's so bright? Stripes in bright stars through the perilous fight. Oh, the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming in the rocket's red.
listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. You're listening to the Spark Radio Network, internet radio like you've never heard before. Innovation, creativity, and imagination are all said to begin with a spark. So fasten your seatbelt and take the ride of your life and listen for the spark. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord. Right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at R-A-H-A-R-D-I-N dot com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Welcome to God's Pure Word of Faith. I'm Richard Harden, and again, I want to thank the Lord and the management of KLRN Radio for this great opportunity to share God's Word with you today. 
and uh, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, but we've got to be able to hear God's word and know it's his word to be able to have faith. Because if we have something that we just think is God's word and try to put our faith in it, God's not going to back it up. We have to seek through the scriptures and he's promised, you know, that if we seek him with all our heart, that he will hear and answer us. So this morning, I want to share with you eight ways that God spoke to people in the scriptures. And this way, you might recognize that God's been trying to speak to you. You know, if you haven't thought about this and, you know, just sat down and studied it like that, uh, you might not recognize it as God speaking to you. I've had people who I share with them personally, um, you know, in everyday life, uh, come back to me maybe a week or so later and say, wow, God spoke to me and he share me, share with me different ways that God has spoke to them because they hadn't recognized it before. And a lot of people uh, just don't feel like that God deals with us personally today like he did with the people in the Bible. But God is still the same God. He's just changed his covenant with us from the Old Testament covenant to the New Testament covenant. But he still wants to speak to us. In fact, Jesus says in John chapter 10 that my sheep hear my voice and uh, they will follow me. And he says, strangers, they'll not follow, but they'll flee from strangers. And I mentioned this example last week when I was discussing it, but it's like if uh, we went to a big party, like a big Christmas party, and somebody blindfolded you or me and if they led me through that party and I could hear my wife talking I could pick out her voice from anybody else in that whole party you know I wouldn't have to see her if I could just hear her voice I could tell that it was her and we need to be seeking the Lord and searching through the scriptures and walking with him daily and and back and forth until we learned to pick out his voice that clearly in our life, regardless of what are the voices in our society that we hear or where they're coming from like this, we need to be able to recognize the, the voice of the Lord and respond to him and flee from all others. Today, uh, before we get started here in detail, I want to share with you that uh, I have a website at www.raharden.com. R-A-H-A-R-D-I-N dot com. And the reason I mentioned that, I've, I've written uh, six books, and there's a book tab up at the top of that home page where you can go take a look at the books. Uh, there's pictures of them, and you click on it, the face of each book, and a short summary will come up of what's included and a link to the publisher where you can go directly to the publisher and, and buy a copy. But on the home page also is a video tab. And I have 18 videos on YouTube with different subjects like what I'll be discussing this morning. There's one on there about hearing from God. And uh, you might want to go back and it's only about 8 to 10 minutes long. It won't be as long as this morning or in as much detail. But you might want to go back and get a summary there. And there's a lot of other subjects, deliverance, prayer, and Jehoshaphat, uh, faith. Different, different messages there you might like. Also on the front page, uh, there's a link in the center left to a blog. Uh, I have about 
20 something, 23, 24 messages there. I'd like to encourage you to take a look at and read them there. Some are kind of long, but uh, you might be interested in them more to get more detail. My books are also uh, on Kimball. If you read and use Kimball for reading electronic books, amazon.com forward slash Kindle. And my name is Richard Harden. And uh, the books will come up. If you forget my name and try to get them, the books by key words, mercy, grace, charity, faith, predestination, things like this, uh, there's so many books with those same key words that it might be difficult to find them. But anyway, I'd like to encourage you to go to my website, www.rahardin.com, and um, check that out. But today, since we're, um, well, it, it's so important that we know God's pure word. That's the reason I named the program uh, God's Pure Word of Faith, because we can't just uh, declare anything to be God's word and then try to claim it by faith and have God back it up. He won't do that. In uh, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 and 6, says, Every word of God is pure. I shield them, put their trust in him. Add thou not to it, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. And what that means is that if we add anything to God's word, or if we take it away, if we change it in any way, God's not responsible to back it up then. And we will be shown a liar, because what we say will not come to pass. God won't back it up. And that was one of the tests of the prophets in the Old Testament. If they claim to give a prophecy from God and it didn't happen, they were to be put to death because the people then would know that it wasn't from God. And that was God's word to them that that was the test of the Old Testament prophet. Whether he was telling the truth or not, would God back it up? And God moved the earth and the sun. God did all kind of miracles like that to back up his people throughout the Old Testament. Well, we have that same responsibility. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, we are to be ambassadors for Christ. And you know, an ambassador doesn't have the authority to change the message that uh, he's supposed to be sharing. Like if a king uh, sends his ambassador over to another kingdom, to a president or to another king with a message, that's the only message that the king will back up is the one he sent. If that ambassador were to, you know, even change the punctuation. You can change the punctuation of a sentence and make it mean the opposite of what it starts to say. Or you could add a, one or two words or take out a word and completely change the message. And we aren't allowed to do that. We're supposed to be ambassadors for Christ. Now, Christ is God's pure spoken word. Uh, in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was God. And the word is God today. But when God spoke... The word, the living word, Christ, went forth and created the sun. He said, let there be light. Christ went forth and created the light. Uh, and all of creation was created by the spoken, living word of God. And that same Christ is in our hearts as Christians. In Colossians 127, it says, Christ in us, our hope of glory. Now, Christ was throughout the Old Testament and God's living spoken word, like in the Hebrews 11.26, it says, Moses esteemed the riches of Christ greater than all the wealth of Egypt. When God started speaking to Moses 
and uh, identifying himself to him like he will do to each of us. You know, he'll teach us. In John was it, 6, 45, Jesus says, and they shall all be taught of God. Well, when God speaks to us, that's Christ, Christ, the living word. Now, and um, but if we change any of it, it's our word then, and our word doesn't have the power, and he won't just back it up to be nice. He'll back up his pure word, and that's it. So uh, it's very important that we learn how to recognize God's voice in this turmoil that's going on in our world today and to be able to respond to it by faith because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, but only if we accept what we hear. Like in Psalms 119, 9, it says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? It's about taking heed thereto according to God's word. We've got to heed it, and then God will back it up to us. Now, before we start in the eight different ways, I'm going to try to share with you this morning. If I can get them all in, I may have to extend it till next week some. But before we do, there's a, another area that we need to discuss first because Throughout the years I've been a Christian, when we start talking about seeking God or searching for God or God spoke to me, some people say, well, you're not supposed to seek signs. Well, we need to clear that up now before we get started. What is a sign? There's a difference in a sign and a visible answer to prayer. But uh, it's confused a lot sometimes. So I want to share with you a few scriptures here about signs and visible answers to prayer so that you can understand that when we're seeking the Lord, we should be getting visible, knowledgeable answers to prayer. And they're not signs. So what is the difference between a sign and an answer? <coughs> Excuse me. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 38 to 39, Matthew 16, 1 to 4. And in Luke chapter 11, verse 29, this was Jesus in talking to the people that came to him. He said, here the certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. And in verse 39, I'm reading from the Matthew uh, quote, verse 39, but he, Jesus, answered and said unto them, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given it but the sign of prophet Jonas. Now, when when Jesus said this, it a lot of people take this that uh, oh, you're not supposed to seek signs. You're you know the signs are terrible, signs are bad, everything. But let's take a little bit closer look here. Uh, you'll find that it wasn't that, that they were seeking signs that made them an evil and adulterous generation. He said that's the way they already were. But he said they shouldn't be seeking signs, and we shouldn't either. But still, God gives us signs a lot of times. So let's take a look then at what the difference might be. And as I mentioned before, because we need to be able to hear the Lord not only when we're seeking him ourself, ourself for a particular special purpose in our life, but he may have something uh, that he wants us to be aware of and he tries to get our attention and, you know, you might think of, you know, uh, him intervening in our life in a way that uh, he can lead us in a different direction or something in some area we're not aware of. But uh, you might think of that as a sign. But anyway, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we should be able to recognize his voice or grow to learn to recognize his voice 
And, you know, the longer we walk with somebody, like you meet a new person today, you might meet somebody that might become a close friend to you, year, you know, a few months from now. Well, as you get to know that new person, the way they talk, the, their mannerisms and, and how they respond to certain things, you say you're getting to know them. Well, that's the way it is with the Lord. When when we invite him to come into our heart and he comes into our heart and creates in us a new heart, a new life, a salvation with that work of grace in, well, we must start, you know, studying and reading his word and, and growing and fellowship with him and walking with him. That's why it's good to, you know, uh, get associated with some other people, you know, that uh, are Christians so that you can, you know, learn from them and they can learn from you. You know, we're all trying to grow to be closer to the Lord, to be more like him and everything. And the experiences other people had and experiences you've had shared back and forth, testimonies are very great and powerful in helping uh, maybe to lead you around a problem or a concern that, you, that you've never been through before. But now, so we need to learn as much as we can. And that's why I'm going to share these eight ways today that God spoke to people in the Bible. Now, in in studying how God spoke to people in the scriptures, in what we call Bible days or something like this, that won't guarantee that you hear from God in any way. You know, we don't just go up and, you know, have a way that we can study this and say, okay, God's going to start speaking to me here. No, God only answers a seeking heart that's honest in the, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now, you can start right now seeking the Lord with all your heart and, and not know any of these ways that God spoke to people in the Bible, and God will still speak to you. He will, you know, he created us. And like that song at the beginning, turn your radio on. He can turn us on to know it's him whether we've ever studied these different ways or not. The reason I'm sharing this morning is that God may have been trying to speak to some of you in different ways and you didn't recognize it. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, I've, I've talked to people before and they come back to me a few days later. I had a young man run up to me and he said, you made me a miracle. And I, you know, he was just, he wouldn't say it maybe in the right way. I didn't make him a miracle or anything like that. But after I'd shared with him, I'd talked to him about some things. And that night, that evening, the Lord spoke to him, and he was so excited and so happy and so joyful and everything to recognize God speaking to him and know that it was God speaking to him. Well, <clears throat> one of the best examples that I can think of in the scriptures that will show us the difference between signs and visible answers is 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 1 through 11. And I want to start out this morning by sharing this because it's, it's important we understand this difference and that Jesus wasn't condemning signs here. Uh, he was scolding the scribes and Pharisees for their, uh, well, their evil attempt to get him to do something, you know, like it so that they could criticize it. See, they were just wanting to criticize Jesus for something and uh, said, give us a sign. And, and Jesus answered him and said, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, but there should no sign be given it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. Well, he wasn't talking about signs were evil. He was talking about the the attitude of their hearts and, you know, their minds and everything. Now, let's look in uh, 2 Kings chapter 20. This is a story about 
King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah. Uh, let me read you the first few verses here, and you'll see. It says, In those days was Hezekiah, the king, sickened to death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thy house in order, for thou shalt surely die and not live. Then he, speaking of King Hezekiah, evidently Hezekiah didn't particularly like that prophecy. Uh, he, then he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. See, so uh, since he didn't like it, he just turned to the Lord and talked to him about it. That's what prayer is. Prayer is talking and communicating with the Lord. So Hezekiah turns to, in prayer then. Even though God has said that he's going to, you know, die, set his house in order, he turns. Now listen to his prayer. His prayer is not a real fancy one. In fact, it even sounds a little um, boisterous, you might say. Uh, Hezekiah says, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart. Now see, that's not like a perfect heart like we would think about, like Jesus had a perfect heart. But here, Hezekiah had tried to be a, a godly person and follow the Lord. And so uh, he says a perfect heart. Now, that wasn't probably, you know, 100% true, but uh, still God heard his prayer. Said, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And that was it. And Hezekiah wept sore. Now it came to pass, though, before Isaiah had gone out of the middle of the courtyard, uh, that the word of the Lord, God spoke to him again, saying, Turn again, tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I'll heal thee, and on the third day thou shalt go up into the house of the Lord. And I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I'll deliver thee in this city out of the hands of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs. And they took it and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. Now, see, he came in, uh, the prophet now is supposed to be speaking God's pure words. He comes in, tells the king, Hezekiah, who's a godly man and knows the rules for prophets and everything, he says, Set your house in order, you're going to die. Well, Hezekiah prayed. Isaiah comes back and says, well, the Lord's going to heal you. And you're going to go up to the house of the Lord in three days. Well, this, this is, you know, it looks like a conflict there or something to the king. Listen to what the king says uh, down here in verse 8. And the king said to Isaiah, what shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I shall go up into the house of the Lord the third day? Now, see, he could have just waited three days to see if it happened. But since these prophecies from Isaiah seemed to conflict, he knew how to find out if somebody was speaking from the Lord, speaking God's word. Because if he was speaking God's word, God would back it up. So uh, Hezekiah asked him, what shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me? He's saying, okay, God will back up your word if you're telling me the truth is what he's saying. So what will you do to get the Lord to show me that you're telling me the truth? Because he would have the right to, you know, kill Isaiah uh, with those two conflicting prophecies because one of them would have to be, you know, untrue. 
if the Lord hadn't spoke to him in both cases. Well, anyway, so here, Isaiah's response was, this sign I shall have of the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing that he has spoken. Shall a shadow go forward 10 degrees or go back 10 degrees? So he's saying that uh, he knows that he was speaking God's word in both cases. Now, and he says, this will be the sign. Let the shadow go forward 10 degrees or back 10 degrees. In other words, Isaiah is saying here, God will move the earth and the sun to prove to you that I spoke his word. Let's see what happens here then. This sign I shall have of the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing that thou hast spoken. Shall the shadow go forward 10 degrees or go back 10 degrees? And Hezekiah answered, it's a light thing. <laughs> He's saying it's a light thing for the shadow to you know, go down 10 degrees. It, it, it wouldn't have been quite so light, but he might have been fooled or something like that if the shadow you know, went the same way it normally does. He said, but let the shadow return backward 10 degrees. See, he knew he wouldn't be tricked like that if he saw the shadow moving backwards. Now, Isaiah the prophet cried unto the Lord. Now, see, talking to the Lord is prayer. And uh, didn't say he prayed here because, see, this is a very serious prayer. This is life or death for the uh, prophet. If God doesn't back him up, he'll be made a liar. Like it said in uh, Let's see, Proverbs 35 and 6. Every word of God is pure. Shield them, put their trust in it. Add thou not to it, lest thou be found a liar. If Isaiah had added anything to either of these two uh, words of prophecy that he had given to King Hezekiah, God wouldn't back up his prayer. And Hezekiah might have had the opportunity in it or it might have put him to death as a false prophet. But now, Isaiah the prophet cried or prayed unto the Lord. And God brought the shadow 10 degrees backwards by which it had gone down on the dial of Ahaz. God moved the earth and sun to back up the prophet Isaiah's prayer to show Hezekiah that he was telling the truth. Now here we have a Hezekiah got a sign that he was telling the truth. Now, what's the difference between a sign and Isaiah got a visible answer because he was the one praying. Now, that's the difference between a sign and a visible answer. King Hezekiah was just sitting there doing nothing. He was saying, okay, what will be the sign that I know God is speaking to you? Hezekiah, I mean, um, Isaiah was praying. They both saw the same thing. They both saw the shadow on the sundial move backward 10 degrees. But it was a sign to King Hezekiah, a visible answer to Isaiah. So the difference in a sign and an answer is who's praying and who's just sitting by listening and going to see the answer. Now, let me give you another good example of this. If you look in John chapter 11, verses 41 to 45, John chapter 11, verses 41 to 45, when uh, Jesus came and uh, to Martha and Mary and um, Lazarus had been dead for three and a half, four days, something like this, uh, he went and stood before the tomb and this listened to his prayer. And uh, 
And you'll see that Jesus doesn't mind at all giving signs to people. Okay, it's John 11. Uh, start at verse 40. Jesus said to her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou should see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted uh, his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it that they might believe that thou sent me. See, he's praying out loud. He knows that his father's going to answer his prayer, but he's praying out loud so that all these people will hear his prayer and see his answer. See, he's given them a sign. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot, grave clothes, and face was bound with napkin, and he said, Loose him. Then, verse 45, many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen these things which Jesus did believed on him. See, the sign caused many of them to believe on him. It's time now for a short break. I'll be right back after that and finish this, and we'll get started on the ways God speaks to us. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord, right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. gun there, but welcome back to God's Pure Word of Faith. I'm Richard Harden, and we were just discussing the uh, difference in signs from the Lord and visible answers. King Hezekiah, God had told him, you know, he was going to die, and then said, I'm going to let you live. 
Well, when the prophet Isaiah prayed, I mean, prayed and said, Lord, now move the earth and the sun. And God did to back him up. It says in Isaiah um, 44, 26. Now, Isaiah knew this very well. said that God confirms the word of his servants and he performs the counsel of his messengers. I say, when we're out sharing with people about the Lord and we're sharing God's pure word, God will back it up to them. When they leave us then, they will have that message and they will be able then to, uh, you know, seek the Lord and get the same type of answers that we are, that, that we get from the Lord. See, it's reproducible. When we share and it's a truth, God will back it up to them just as much as he'll back it up to us. Now, when Jesus prayed for Lazarus, you know, we hear that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Well, technically, no, Jesus didn't raise Lazarus from the dead. Jesus prayed and his heavenly father raised Lazarus. He said, Jesus says in John eleven forty one, I thank thee thou hearest me, and I knew thou hearest me always. Uh, he said, but I say this, that they might believe that thou hast sent me, that the people standing by. So now, he said, Lazarus come forth. The, people, the Lazarus came forth. They unwrapped him from the grave clothes. And it said that many of them, verse 45, then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen these things which Jesus did believed on him. See, he gave them a sign. He prayed out loud in front of them. They saw Lazarus come forth as an answer to his prayer, and then they believed. Now, in John chapter 20, verse 30, it says that many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. See, Jesus' whole life was assigned to us. That's why he came down here. He came down here to show us a way. Now, in John chapter 21, verses 24 to 25, it says, those are the last verses now, the book of John, says, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Now, see, Jesus did so many things like that in front of these people to, to bring them to a knowledge of, you know, his father and everything, that God, and, and draw them closer to him. In fact, if you look through the scriptures, there's 13 times in the scriptures where it says that uh, Jesus healed all the people that were sick. And um, one of those times in Matthew, let's see, what is it? 935 says he went through all the cities, all the villages healing, uh, let's see, preaching the gospel and healing all manner of sicknesses and diseases. 13 times that was mentioned in the scripture about Jesus. Now, some of them were repetitive. You know, like some of them mentioned in uh, Matthew were repeated again in Luke something like this, but he healed a lot of people like that to show them and give them a sign, just like he did when he uh, prayed and uh, Lazarus came forth from the grave. God answered his prayer and everything. So signs are not what are bad. Visible answers aren't bad. If, you know, if they're coming from the Lord, they can't be bad. 
what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 12 when he said, um, but Jesus answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign and there shall no sign be given it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. See, he, he wasn't saying the sign was evil and that then is that what made the generation evil? No, he was saying the evil generation just wanted to see something happen. See, stand by and watch and then have Jesus do something and perform a sign for them. He doesn't want us to just seek signs either. He wants us to pray. See, uh, the difference again between the signs and visible answer is who's praying and who's just watching. Now, we'll get signs as we go along in our walk with the Lord. You know, he'll get our attention and things like this will happen. But just pray about the signs. If something you might call odd happens, take it as a sign and pray and see what the Lord will you know, say to you about it. But uh, Jesus wasn't condemning signs here at all. In fact, Jesus' whole life was a sign to us. And you can see that in John chapter 20 and verse 30 and um, John chapter 21, verses 24 to 25. It says, if everything Jesus had done had been recorded and all these healings and all these uh, casting out demons and devils and things like this, said the whole world might not even have been able to contain the books. So signs are people that aren't praying. Visible answers are to those who are praying. And we'll have some combination of that throughout our life as we walk with the Lord. Now, let's get started on ways that God spoke to people in the scriptures. And you might recognize some of these as being ways that he's spoken to you. Uh, naturally, the first one we'll start with is <clears throat> God's written word. In fact, uh, he in Isaiah 34, verse 16, the, God told him, said, Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. No one of these will fail, none of these shall want her mate. For my mouth it has commanded, and his spirit it has gathered them. But anyway, in the first part of that, it says, Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. If you want to hear from the Lord, read the book he left us. You know, this is what he wants us to get familiar with. Read his word. But like we mentioned a couple of uh, weeks ago, is that there are 27, uh, you might say, major copies of the original text, you know, we, we call them our Bibles and everything, but they're copies of the Bible by different groups of people. And, and there are a lot of differences in there. If you, if you compare them back and forth, scripture per scripture, I have a book that has every phrase in the King James written down. And under each phrase, it tells you if any of the other 26 versions say something different. And that's a big book. 2,500 pages, and it's very small print, but uh, there is a lot of difference in the different copies, King James, NIV, RSV, and on not like that, but we still have the responsibility to seek the Lord, read out of his word, and find the truth. He'll, he'll show us the truth if we honestly seek it. In 2 Timothy 3.16, says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. But we need to be seeking, though, in all these different copies to make sure that the Lord has revealed to us the truth of his scripture. Now, for an example, if all scripture is given for inspiration, profitable for doctrine, reproof, and correction, uh, one of the scriptures you may not have read recently or heard of recently is 1 John 5, 19. 
you know, when bad things happen around our country, 9-11 and different disasters and things, people say, well, God's in control. God's in control. He'll work something mysterious out of it and something good will come from it. Well, First John 5, 19 says the devil's in control. Now, up here it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. So this First John 5, 19 then seems a little out of place saying the devil's in control. Jesus says, Matthew 28, 18, all power in the heaven and earth is given unto me. So if if Jesus, if all power in the heaven and earth has been given to him, how is the devil in control? Well, see, what people need to do then is study and find out just how that can be. There's a simple example in uh, 2 Corinthians 2, 10, 11. Apostle Paul says, forgive others lest you give Satan the advantage. See, that Satan doesn't have any power over us. He can't make us do this. He can't keep us from doing something. But he can, you know, uh, deceive people and have a bunch of deceived people that he can work against us and everything like that. But First John 5, 19, if you fail to forgive, you're giving Satan control in your life. That's how he gets control. And you look around our country. Most of the people in our country don't even want anything to do with God's word. Or probably at least half of the people don't. Don't want anything to do with God's word. They're trying to get it out of our, you know, our public display in any way. They're, they're just pushing Christians out, pushing back. But see, uh, Satan has control of their life and they don't even know it. But now as Christians... If, if I were to fail to forgive you, see, I know it's God's will too. So I would be violating God's will and I'd be giving Satan control in my life during that time. So if any of you are holding unforgiveness against anybody right now, drop it. It's hard to do. That's one of the hardest things, but you can. You start saying, Lord, I know it's your will for me to forgive brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, or whoever it is. Please help me. Because if it's your will, I know I can do it if you will help me. And I know you want me to do it. So please help me to forgive them. Because, see, whatever that person did against you, it, it wasn't God working through them to hurt you. It had to be the devil working through them to hurt you. So, see, God's will for that person is not to, you know, beat them up or something because they hurt you. It's to deliver them from the deceitfulness of the devil that worked through them to cause that hurt so that they won't hurt anybody else. So that's why even in the Proverbs, it says, don't even rejoice when your uh, enemy or when, you know, somebody like that uh, stumbles or falls. See, God doesn't want people to stumble or fall. He wants them to be lifted up. And he wants this person to hurt you, to be delivered from the devil and his deceitfulness. So when we pray to God to help us to forgive somebody, we're certainly praying according to God's will. So if you got anybody in your past back there that you were hurt by, and every time you think about them, you get upset and something like this, start praying for God to bless them. Say, Lord, bless them. Help me to mean it. Lord, bless them. Help me to mean it. You know, at first you got to start out. You may not. You might want him to do like the disciples did, call fire down on them. And Jesus said, you know not what spirit you're of. See, it's the wrong spirit. Pray for God to bless them and get set free of the devil. And then, you know, You'll sometime you'll say, oh, I truly do want to see him blessed. I have a lot of people back there that I finally got to the point to where right now I can think about them. I don't care how bad the things they did were to me then, how it hurt me then. It doesn't hurt me now. And I can say, God, please bless them.
And when you get that point, you know you've forgiven them, even though you still remember it. Now, but at 1 John 5, 19, <coughs> tells us that the devil's in control of this world because so many people are rejecting God's word. Now, when we're rejecting God's word, we're rejecting God's power because Christ, the living word, is God's power. First, uh, First Corinthians 1, 24 says, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. See, the wisdom, the perfect word of God, but Christ is a creating power God, created the heavens and, you know, all the universe and everything. And Christ in our heart, see, when we fail to forgive, we're turning from his power and we're giving control to the devil. Now, Jehoshaphat, in Second Chronicles chapter 20, went to his written word, uh, he was surrounded by three armies, and they came to him in verse 1 through 3 and said, uh, you're surrounded by three armies. He said he feared. Now, here's this man of God said he feared, but set himself to seek the Lord. Now, that's what we should do. That should be a good prescription right there for each of us. Anytime you uh, recognize any kind of fear coming into your heart about anything, do like Jehoshaphat, set yourself to seek the Lord. And then uh, Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing. So when you see, when you recognize fear coming to you about anything, I don't care what it is, if you recognize that fear, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Don't wait till the problem gets so bad that that's all that's left to do is to pray. Start at the beginning to pray. Be anxious for nothing. Don't even let that fear get his foot all the way in the door. Start praying immediately. Okay, now, but Jehoshaphat, surrounded by three armies, set himself to seek the Lord. Now, he went to his written word. They, see, he had the written word. He had the promises that had been established when uh, King Solomon and God, you know, that when they dedicated the temple. There was a lot of promises there. One of the promises was to uh, the people of Israel, the children of Israel, and the King Solomon was that if any problem came against them, famine, pestilence, or whatever, uh, uh, armies came against them, or if God was even punishing them, God's promise was for any concern they had, if they would come before the temple, humble themselves, now humble themselves and pray and seek his face, that he had here an answer and deliver from anything. And now it was not just for the Jews, but for people all over the face of the world, because there was another promise a few verses later that said, if any stranger from any far place in the world come and humble himself and pray, I'll hear and answer them and deliver them from their problem. So Jehoshaphat knew from his written word that he should call the people together. He called all of the people together. They humble themselves before the temple. They prayed. It was now men, women, children, animals. Can you imagine the noise when you had that many people out there? Uh, the children crying and everything because they were fasting too. The, the animals were fasting. Well, at the end of the third day, God spoke to him and said, Jehoshaphat, he said, it's not your um, battle, it's mine. He says, set yourself in the valley of Ziz in the morning and go out there and see the victory. It's not your job, it's mine. God said he's going to perform the uh, victory for them. All they got to do is sit and watch it. 
next morning when I said, in, I think verse 22 or something like that of uh, Second Chronicles chapter 20, says when they began to sing and to praise as they marched out of those gates in front of those three armies, God set the ambushments against them and they killed each other to the last man. It took the children of Israel three days to pick up the spoils of the war. See, so uh, his written word was to seek the Lord, come before the temple, call out to him, and humble himself, and then he would deliver them from anything. And that's what Jehoshaphat did. <clears throat> so God spoke to people, you know, through his word in the Old Testament. Jesus used God's word in Matthew chapter 4 and chapter, let's see, chapter 4, verses 4, 7, and 6. 4, 7, and 10, when uh, he was in the wilderness of uh, 40 days, you know, fasting, and the devil came against him to tempt him. And uh, Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, this was uh, uh, right out of Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. See, Jesus was quoting the word back to the devil there when the devil said, uh, Turn these stones, if you be the son of God, turn these stones to bread. He quoted Deuteronomy 8, 3, back to the devil. And then in, uh, when uh, the devil took him to the pinnacle of the temple, angels uh, shall bear thee up, you know, if you jump off and none of your bones will be broken. You know, he tried to get Jesus to jump off the top of the temple. And Jesus' reply was from uh, Deuteronomy six sixteen: it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Then the devil showed him the, uh, the kingdoms, all the kingdoms on earth and the glory and everything. And he said, I'll give all these kingdoms to you and everything if you worship me. And then Matthew 4.10, Jesus quoted then out of Deuteronomy 10.12, It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. See, that's how powerful the Old Testament scriptures were to Jesus, to Jehoshaphat and Isaiah. And a lot of people say that the Old Testament isn't for us today and everything. Well, if that was good enough for Jesus, it, it seems to me like it ought to be good enough for us too. And um, Josiah, the king, young king, he didn't know anything about the Lord and he hadn't heard the scriptures or anything. But one day, you know, the temple looked kind of dirty or something to him. So he sent a bunch of people over to clean it up. And they found the scriptures. And they found God's word and brought it back to King Josiah. And uh, he was curious. He started reading it and it scared him. Because he saw in there that, man, they weren't living like God wanted them to. And they had a problem. And he repented and he tore his, sack, I mean, he tore his garments, sackcloth and ashes. And he repented, turned back to the Lord. And uh, God turned from the judgment that he was going to bring upon the children of Israel at that time because this young king as soon as he saw God's word started reading it he had him you know shape up start going by it cleaned out the temple you know start worshiping and everything but uh just reading God's word and and doing the best he could like that God honored it and uh didn't destroy the nation then so the written word get you a bible out. don't just get one though don't just get the King James NIV something like this uh, try to get you two or three versions so you can kind of look back and forth between some of the major versions and, and let the Lord lead you into the pure word when there's differences and everything. 
And you might even buy a concordance. A concordance is, will give you a list of every word that's in the Bible and the scriptures it's found in. So if you want to study faith, you can just read down through there and find every scripture in the Bible where the word faith is used or grace or charity. Or, well, charity, you won't find them in any Bibles now except the King James, but we'll talk about that later someday. Uh, why not? But uh, anyway, you can look up these different words and subjects, predestination, election, things like this. And, and study them as a group. Now, so the first way God spoke to people, and not only the Bible, but today, naturally, is through his word. Uh, one of the next uh, ways then, the Holy Spirit. We say, well, the Holy Spirit speak to us. He said, to, you know, the, he'll, he'll teach us. Um, Christ, the Holy Spirit, God's living word in our heart, in our mind, in, in a circumstance like it. But uh, in Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10, we got a problem here when God speaks to us in our mind and heart. It says that uh, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search your heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Now, this was talking about people in the Old Testament. They never received the new heart, the pure heart from God that we receive under the new covenant. Also, this is talking about people on earth here now today who haven't become Christians yet. This is the way their hearts are. This is the way our heart was. If you read, uh, what is it, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, you know, Ephesians 2, 8 says, for by grace are we saved through faith. Well, the first four or five verses say that we all were, you know, uh, following lust of the flesh and evil and everything prior to that time see a deceitful heart but when god when god saves us when we turn to him with all our heart invite him to come into our heart and life and ask his forgiveness of our sins uh, ezekiel 36 26 says uh, god says a new heart also i'll give you a new spirit will i put within you i'll take away that stony deceitful heart you know he says he's going to take away that stony heart and i'll give you a heart of flesh and i'll put my spirit in you so see that Jeremiah 17 talking about the deceitful heart is not talking about us as Christians now because we've received that new pure heart from God. He's put his spirit of love in us. So, but he's talking about the way we were before he did that. See, then we're born in the family of God and Jesus says, you know, we must be born again. So we're different now as children of God, sons of God, but we still have that mind that remembers those things. So we've got to do something about this. And uh, Scripture says, Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. And the Psalms 119, 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. See, to hear from God, we need to have as much of God's word in our heart as we can as we're studying through it um, to try to, you know, have a... Um, his word so in our heart that when things happen during the daytime, the Holy Spirit then can bring that to remembrance and in our mind. Now, Matthew 15 now says, Out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, things like this. But see, we have the clean heart. But if our mind hasn't been renewed or if we're still watching those movies or doing things like this and people, the things they say throughout the day, we can have a problem. If we don't clean up our mind, like in Romans 12, uh, 2, 
And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God cleans our heart, gives us a new heart, puts his spirit in us, but we've got to make an effort then to get his word in our heart and to study it and to get our minds cleaned up. It's time for another break now, so I'll be back in just a couple of minutes, so stick around if you can. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord, right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. The best ways to turn your radio on is to get your Bible out and, you know, uh, start reading through it so that you can, you know, hear God and see what his word that he's left for us has to say to us. And so uh, in sharing the different eight ways, um, first way, I just finished sharing with you a couple of minutes ago, is God's written word. Uh, get several copies of the Bible and study them. You know, and, uh, there are some differences, but uh, study and the Lord will lead you to the truth. Then the Holy Spirit will speak to us. But like I was mentioning earlier, you know, when, when he cleans out our dirty, evil heart, when we come to the Lord, uh, he gives us a new heart, a new life, you know, and he puts his spirit in us and creates in us a new heart. Well, then uh, we have that clean new heart, but we still have a lot of memory of things back in the past because he doesn't clean that. Now, in uh, the Apostle Paul, he had a lot of evil back in his past that he had to try to get over. You know, he had killed Christians, men, women, and children. He had had put in jail and prison, things like that, persecuted them. He thought he was doing God's will, but then God stopped him. Jesus met him on the road to Damascus and told him, it's me you're persecuting. 
the apostle Paul started, what would you have me do, Lord? And then he, from his life from then on was to serve Jesus and become a Christian like those people he had been persecuting. But he had, you know, can you imagine all those lonely trips he had with, you know, um, different people that went with him like that, one or two of them traveling around the country, uh, sleeping out on the ground and, you know, around campfires and everything in the evening must have been awful lonesome. But he, he did a lot, though, to overcome that. And he says in uh, chapter 12 of Romans, Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. See, control your mind. You know, seek God's word and, and get your mind full of God's word and your heart, you know, receive it into your heart so it becomes a living Christ in you. Because see, just knowing God's word in your mind is not the answer. You've got to take that and receive that word positively into your heart. And then that's when the living word comes in. Jesus says in John 6, 45, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that heard and learned of the Father cometh unto me. See, so we, God even teaches us and brings us to the salvation like that. But it's only when we receive God's word into our heart, because if we don't receive it into our heart, it's not going to do us any good. We can't, you know, uh, let's see, where is it? In Hebrews 4, 2, it says, for the gospel... For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So, see, we can hear the gospel. He's promised to bring all of us to a knowledge of the gospel and the truth, but we've got to make the choice then to receive it in our heart. And it's so as we're studying God's word now, it's not just to, you know, uh, learn a lot of scriptures and everything. It's to try to get a lot of scriptures into your heart, to come into your heart, the living word. Jesus said in John 6, 63, my words are spirit and life. So as you're reading and studying God's word, you want his word to come into your heart, the spirit of his words to come into your heart. Then you're receiving Christ. You're growing in Christ because when his spirit comes into our heart, they create in us and, you know, a, a well, just strength to do whatever it is God's wanting us to do, to teach a Sunday school class or to, or to uh, give a devotional. See, his spirit, then, if we receive that request of his into our heart, the words in the living word in us will give us strength and help us do whatever it is God is wanting us to do. And that's how we grow in Christ and we grow to be more like him. But now, 2 Corinthians 10 Apostle Paul, again, you know, he had trouble with memories back here when on those long journeys and everything and loneliness and stuff. It packed him just like us. In fact, he said he spoke in tongues more than any of them because, you know, he must have had a lot of it, you know, then, what is it, First Corinthians uh, 14, 1 or 2, it says that, you know, he that speaks in tongues is, you know, edifies himself. See, so it between them and the Lord, he said he spoke in tongues more than any of them in, th in those chapters. So, uh, he must have had a lot of things in his memory and everything that he had to fight, you know, to keep from letting it overcome. But Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 35 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and ever high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity ever thought to the obedience of Christ. You see, that means... To bring it into the obedience of Christ, that means we've got to have Christ in us. 
we got to have God's living word in us and more and more as we go along because, see, that's why we're reading the scriptures and asking God to put his word in us. We're growing in Christ and casting down these imaginations and everything that exalts itself against knowledge of God. Well, like I mentioned a while ago, you know, we must forgive other people or we're giving Satan advantage. So when we're tempted to say, well, they deserve it. Look what they did to me. Something like that. I'm not going to forgive them. I'm not going to do this. You know, that's imaginations and that's things in your heart exalting against the word of God. Because as long as you hold that in your heart, you're giving Satan advantage in your life. And that's what he wants you to do. See, he's deceiving you into thinking that you deserve to not forgive that person. You know, that person doesn't deserve to be forgiven. They hurt you so bad. But they do because God wants them delivered from the devil that caused them to hurt you like that. So see, casting down imagination, never high thing exalts itself against knowledge of God. And our knowledge of God is we know it's God's will for us to forgive them. So we say, Lord, please help me to forgive them. You know I don't, you know how I feel. I'm so hurt, but please help me to forgive them. And then he will, and he'll remove that hurt from your heart and everything. We need to be reading and studying God's word so the Holy Spirit can bring these words to us throughout the day and we'll know how to, you know, bring every thought into the captivity and obedience of Christ. Now, when we're uh, uh, talking about the Holy Spirit, a lot of times, you know, there's confusion because, you know, there's a lot of different terms used in the Bible that uh, refers to the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus says in uh, John 14, 6 through 26, said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh the Father but by me. And in verse 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, the Comforter is one of the names that's referred to as, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit, but the reason it's, he's called the Comforter is like in the Old Testament, they had a lot of different names for God the Father. And uh, Elohim, uh, El Shaddai, Ananiah, Yahweh, Jehovah Nisa, Jehovah Ram, uh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shema. Now, each of these. Uh, indicated how the Lord was working in their life. Like uh, Jehovah Nisi says, the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is my healer. Uh, Jehovah Tuskanu, so, like, the Lord is my righteousness. And Elohim, God, and then on like this, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider. See, they call God by the type of activity that they were dealing with God in at that particular time. You know, the Lord of hosts, uh, the Lord is my peace, and different things like this. Well, these names in the, Old, in the New Testament are similar to that when referring to the Holy Spirit. Like uh, the Comforter, speaking of the Holy Spirit. Let's see in John 14. Uh, let me find that real quick here. And he tells us about the Comforter. And, uh, okay, John 14, verse 15, it says, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, and that he shall abide with you forever. 
quite often then, uh, we skip down then to verse 26 says, like I read a while ago, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, now the Holy Ghost is the comforter, Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, bring things to your remembrance. Now let's continue reading up here after verse 16, where it says, it send you another comforter. It says, even the spirit of truth. Now, the comforter, spirit of truth, yes, truth. In uh, John 17, 17, when Jesus was praying, he says, sanctify them by thy word. Thy word is truth. So see, even the spirit of truth is the spirit of God's word, which is Christ. Okay. But he's okay, the comforter now, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye shall know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Christ in us, the spirit of truth. The spirit of God's word, which is Christ, the living word. He says, I will not lead you comfortless. Now, this is Jesus saying, I will not leave you. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye shall see me because I live, you shall live. Now, listen, verse 20 now, when the comforter is going to come to you, when the spirit of truth is going to come to you. Listen to verse 20. At that day, ye shall know that I am in my father, Ye in me and I in you. That is when you get that assurance in your heart and you know that you've received the spirit of Christ in your heart. I will never forget that time the rest of my life. It was such a joy, such a, you know, just a, it, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was such a great change. I see, and I recognize it. Hey, I, I've got it. I've received Christ. Christ is in me. You know, it was such a joy and everything. That's when it, you can get no greater comfort on earth of knowing that Christ lives in your heart. And, hey, everything's taken care of. I don't care what happens here on earth like that. I'm going to be with the Lord, you know, like that. I finally found him. And I guess maybe the reason it was so exciting to me is because I'd been in church since age nine. I grew up in Baptist Children's Home and been to church every time a door was open for about nine or ten years till I graduated from high school. And then, you know, after high school, I went to church a lot of times. I taught a Sunday school class, did this, did that, thinking I was a Christian. But at age 33, when my problems came and I finally turned to the Lord with all my heart and said, oh, God, if you're really real, like that Bible says, show me, you know, and I want to know in a way that it's it's real. I don't want some kind of good feeling or something like that to just be it. But boy, when the Lord came into my heart, cleaned up my heart, my evil desires and things like this, or just, you know, worldly desires, like for my fancy cars and uh, taking that out, it got, just took alcohol from it, everything, you know, like that. And just, that was it. But the greatest change in me that made me know that Christ had come into my heart, he put a love in me for some people that I was even thinking about doing harm to wanting to and everything like that. I had so much hate in me and he changed that to love. I said, Oh man, they need what I've found. But but to know that Christ had come into my heart, that was the greatest feeling of comfort and joy since then. I used to be afraid of flying, I was afraid of everything. You know, knowing Christ in your heart like that and in such a special way, there there's nothing that can, you know, uh hurt us or do anything to us unless it comes through the blood of Christ, blood of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, it's just, it's so great. It's just indescribable. When 
like Ezekiel 36, 26, God said, a new heart also will give you, a new spirit will put you on. Take away the stony heart out of your face, give you a heart of faith, and put my spirit in you. And that's what Jesus is saying here. When when you receive the comforter, when the comforter, you get that comfort, he says, and that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. There's no greater comfort than that. But now, some of the other names that uh, the people of the New Testament call Jesus, or call the Holy Spirit, well, we just talked about the spirit of truth, uh, the spirit of life. John six sixty three. Jesus said, "My words are spirit and they are life." Uh, the spirit of Christ, uh, grace and truth. In uh, John chapter one verse four, and First Peter one eleven, the word of Christ. You know, the living word of God, the word of Christ. Spirit of adoption, Romans eight fifteen, where it cries out, "Abba, Father." And just like in Galatians 4, 6, and 7, it says, And because you're sons, children of God, because you're sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, you no more a servant but a son, if a son, the heir of God through Christ. See, these are names that given to the Holy Spirit when they talk about the Holy Spirit in us, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of promise, you know, the word of promise, Ezekiel 36, 26, he's going to put his spirit in us. In uh, Ephesians 4, 4, it says there's one God, one spirit. And that spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the spirit of truth, the spirit of Christ, spirit of adoption, spirit of promise. All these are the same spirit. It's just, see, the people in the New Testament used these different names for him when they were talking and writing so that if you're talking about, you know, uh, the spirit of promise, that's different. If you're talking about the spirit of grace, you're talking about the Holy Spirit or Christ working in our heart. Uh, you know, every time you think of the word grace, you should think about Christ in our heart, working in our heart, strengthening us, and uh, saving us first at salvation, and then helping us grow. You hear the spirit of faith. You mean God has, you know, uh, some has spoken to someone, and that person has humbled himself to God's word and invited his word into his heart. And that's what we call faith then, is a person that hears and accepts and receives God's word into their heart. By, let's see, faith comes by hearing, hear more to God, but only if you receive and accept it in your heart. See, so it's still the spirit of Christ, though, the living word of God. He speaks, you accept, like that. Uh, it's just so many different words like this for comforter, like we just discussed there. But the comforter comes when Christ comes in your heart and you recognize that day you shall know that I am in the Father, ye and me, and I in you. That's great right there. Now, the counselor He's our counselor. But who is it? It's Christ in us, the living word. In 1 Corinthians one twenty four, it says, Christ, the power of God, you know, the creator of God, created all the universe, Christ, the creator, and the wisdom of God, the perfect word of God, the living word of God is Christ. So here then, our guide, we submit everything to the obedience of Christ in our hearts. He teaches us throughout the day. But see, we've got to have his word in us. Uh, our protector, our deliverer, our savior. Christ, the seed of God, the engrafting word of God, says in James 1, we're engrafted into the family of God. The word of God just puts us into the family of God. We're a child of God now. Christ, he gives us a new heart, a new life. And Ecclesiastes 7.12 says that wisdom gives us life. Well, Christ is the wisdom of God. The living, pure word of God is Christ that, that gives life. Jesus says, my words are spirit and they are life. 
uh, just so many of these verses like this and everything that uh, the different names that the people of the New Testament, but see, they called him these different names depending on what type of uh, discussion they were having or what type of uh, talking about, you know, if they're talking about the spirit of faith, they're talking about somebody hearing God's word and obeying, talking about spirit of grace, they're t- the hearing God's word and accepting Christ in their heart and Christ moving in their heart and they're growing in Christ. See, so uh, it, these words are like the words in the Old Testament where the Old Testament people call God so many different names. It depended on the area they were discussing. And that's the way it is in the New Testament, you know, like that. So all of these where they have like spirit of faith, spirit of Christ, spirit of promise. They're not talking about a different God or a different spirit. There's one spirit in Ephesians 4, 4, one God, one spirit. It's just however he's interacting in our lives. That's how we uh, discuss and call him different names and everything. Well, uh, in uh, Acts chapter 10. There was this guy, Cornelius. It says he was very good. He said he prayed always. All the people respected him and his family and everything. Um, and the Holy Spirit then led him and gave him a, a, a vision and a dream. See, so there's other ways too. So um, even though Cornelius was such a good man, God spoke to him in a dream and sent an angel and told him to go send after Peter, Simon Peter, and he'll come tell you what to do, that you need to do. See, but all he was missing was Jesus. Now, Simon Peter, God had to speak to him in visions to get him to go talk to a Gentile. So now let's look at how God speaks to people through preachers, prophets, teachers, like this. Well, first, through God's word, the scripture. And then second, through the Holy Spirit teachings. But we've got to have a lot of God's Word in us like it so that He can guide us throughout the day and bring to remembrance of the, the correct Word, the correct Scriptures. Now, <coughs> we should be receiving from our preachers. Every preacher stands in the pulpit should be preaching each Sunday, each time he stands there, he should be preaching a Word from God, not just a pretty sermon with a joke and something like that to attend to people. should be words from the Lord. Now, as his ambassador, Mark 3, it says, he ordained 12 that they should uh, be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. And he gave them power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils, Romans 10, 14. Now, how then shall they call on him in whom they do not believe, except they believe in him? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Well, see, in those days, they didn't have radio and television, things like this, and uh, Certainly, you know, the poor people didn't have the scriptures. The uh, They would go to the, well, the temple on uh, Sabbath, and the scriptures would be read to them, or they'd be told what's in them, and everything like that. But see, today we have the scriptures available to us, and many people have died interpreting or, you know, translating those scriptures for us. Their families persecuted. Some of them burned at the stake over in Europe and everything because the, the religious leaders didn't want the common people to know what was in the Bible. They wanted to control the people by, you know, telling them what's in the Bible. And, you know, so we have the Bibles available to us. We're one of the most blessed generations on earth from Adam till now that we have so many different copies of the Bible. We can compare back and forth what these uh, smart men have uh, interpreted from the original text and everything. 
Even if we didn't have that, we'd still be responsible for learning to hear and recognize God's word and walk and talk with him. Because see, the early disciples, all they had was the Old Testament. But they had to learn, you know, to walk with the Lord, and they left us in these scriptures for us in the New Testament. Well, teachers and prophets, uh, well, like in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20, it says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. See, he's beseeching people by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. See, it's, he's, he's doing it through us now because Jesus isn't still here said, be ye reconciled to God. So see, he's wanting us to be speaking God's word as his ambassador, his pure word, so that he can, you know, reach out to other people through us. Now, teachers and prophets, but manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. The manifestation of the spirit in and through us is given to us not to just make us look like smart people or something like that, but that we can be a blessing to others, allowing God's word through us to go to others. Hebrews 2, 4, which I read a while ago, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders, with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. Excuse me, it's Hebrews 4, 2 I shared a while ago, but this is 2, 4. Now, in Ephesians 4, 11 to 14, it says, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers, for the perfecting of the saints. See that each of us, that we can be helping each other to be edified and built up in the Lord. It says, And some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, building up of the body of Christ, till we all come into unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man unto the measure of stature of fullness of Christ. See that we receive the fullness of Christ's Spirit in us and His Word and everything. And then verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine and sly of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Now this bit here, that we henceforth be no more children. He's saying that, you know, with all these divisions and everything that we have, all these different denominationals, all this bickering back and forth and things like this, that we're children. That we're still carnal. Read First Corinthians chapter 1 uh, and First Corinthians chapter 3, the verse 4 verses. He says, as long as we have division, one says, I'm Apollos, I'm a Paul. He says, you're carnal. Your babe's in Christ. And if he came and looked at our society, we got two or three hundred different denominations like this. You know, and instead of Paul and Paulus, we have, you know, Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, Pentecostals, Assembly of God, disciples of this and disciples of that, and Church of Christ this and Church of Christ, Church of God and all this. All these differences, he'd say your babe's in Christ. And our society is. That's why that our society, our Christian society is being pushed out by, you know, the Muslims pushed out by, you know, the non-believers, you know, the, they're just trying to get rid of Christians in our society. There's so much confusion in the Christian uh, realm instead of unity. It should be unity of belief. It's time for the next uh, break here, so I'll be back in a couple of minutes and you are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign.
God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord, right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Welcome back to God's Pure Word of Faith. Now to have God's God's Pure Word of Faith, we must have His Pure Word to have it based on. Now... See, we've been sharing about how God speaks. God speaks through the Bible to his people, his word, through the Holy Spirit. And now we're how God speaks through different people. Um, in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. That's his commandment to us each Christian to go and share his word, you know, and teach and preach and, and lead others to him. Also in Mark 16, verse 15 through 18, and he said to them, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel of every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, see, one of the conflicts that uh, we have in our copies of the Bible is uh, many do not believe that the last reading there from Mark 16, 15 to 18, uh, is truly inspired. They... Uh, deny that these scriptures are, you know, God's pure word. See, that's got to be up, uh, you know, some say yes, some say no. Uh, many believe it from the text that these verses came from that um, 
they'll say things like, well, the texts weren't as good as the other texts or something like this. But uh, to me, if it's God's word in one text, it's God's word anywhere. But anyway, here's here's one of the conflicts here that uh, is in some of the copies of our different scriptures. But we still have responsibility to seek the Lord and find his true word because uh, we we won't be able to say we stand before Jesus said, well, the King James said this, and this is what I really believe. So he said, why didn't you just ask me? Or the NIV said this, or the RSV said this. And, you know, uh, when we stand before the Lord, we're going to have to answer to him because he's promised, you know, to teach us and guide us into the truth and everything. Now, with the questionable uh, attitude that some have about these scriptures in Mark, it's amazing to me that uh, there's certain denominations that have one of their most important scriptures here. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Like uh, the Church of Christ, that's one of their foundational scriptures in, in their salvation requiring water baptism and some Pentecostals also that require water baptism. Uh, now, the scripture does talk about baptism and salvation. Like First Corinthians 12, 13, Apostle Paul says, for by one spirit are we baptized into one body into the body of Christ. And in 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So we're born again by the spirit into the body of Christ, the incorruptible word of God, you know, the seed of God. Christ is the seed of God. Everything that's created started from Christ, the seed. Um, Christ went forth and it was created. First Peter 3.21, like figure wherein to even baptism does now also save us. But then they put a parenthesis here, not to putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. You know, it's, it's in our heart, you know, where we receive it. Not to, you know, washing of the flesh and something like that. Not to putting away the filth of the flesh, it says, but the answer of a true conscience of God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, so like figure now, where does even baptism does also now save us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's through his resurrection spirit. We're baptized in spirit, like Paul said. One spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Now, but uh, to, to this scripture up here, it says, you know, we believe and are baptized requiring baptism that's that's like the in galatians where they were requiring the law again for salvation or you know uh, things like this everything that we do to try to get salvation outside of jesus is not going to count because what he did on the cross his perfect walk of faith his sacrifice shedding of his blood on the cross for us and everything there's where we turn for salvation in what he did for us. We must humble ourselves and receive that. But anyway, uh, this is still um, verses here that we all have to face. Whether you believe them or not, when we stand before the Lord, we're going to answer for our choice here. And Jesus said in John 3, 3 and 5, and 6, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Then verse 5 to 6, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, 
he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is flesh is flesh. See, that's the water, born of water. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. So being here, being born of flesh and flesh. So anyway, we each have to face those and seek the Lord and respond accordingly because that's what we'll answer for. So I pray that you will do that seriously, you know, like that. And uh, well, I'm not going to have time to cover all eight of them. I'm on number four now. But dreams are a way that God has spoken to me ever since I've become a Christian. Uh, he's given me many dreams and everything to teach me things that but it would be impossible to uh, learn here on earth. But let's look at some of the dreams in the scriptures that he used for the people there. And next week, then, we'll continue on and uh, get all eight of them covered. Now, dream Numbers chapter 12, verse 6. And God said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him in a vision and will speak to him in a dream. Now, visions is going to be talked about next. But anyway, five dreams raised Joseph, the ruler in Egypt, to the second highest position just below the Pharaoh. In Genesis 37, through 50, if you want to read the whole story, the chapters are Genesis chapters 37 through 50. Uh, you know, he gave him the dreams about the uh, family bowing down to him and his brothers got mad and everything. Then uh, he had a dream about his mother and dad and all the brothers uh, bowing down to him. They got mad at him and sent him off, you know, sold him to slavery in Egypt. And there, uh, Two of the people in prison that had worked for the Pharaoh had a dream, and he interpreted their dreams, and they came through just exactly like he said. You know, God gave him the interpretation that one of them was going to be raised back up to, you know, work for the Pharaoh again. The other was going to be hanged, and that happened in three days, just like Joseph said. Then the Pharaoh had dreams, and God gave him interpretation, and God raised Joseph then from the prison to the second highest position in the land of Egypt, only to the Pharaoh. So uh, God used dreams there. Gideon, you know, you hear about Gideon uh, putting out a fleece for the Lord, uh, you know, that he doubted maybe that God was going to use him to save um, the children of Israel. But uh, after he got that settled, that was in Judges chapter 6, Judges chapter 7, and when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellows. God had approached him and said, if you're, if you're afraid, take Pura, your uh, helper, and go down to the camp of the Midianites, and I'll strengthen you. And what he did then, when he crawled up then, close to the uh, campfire, where they were all sitting around talking and everything, uh, one of the men told the dream. He said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled on the host of Midian and came into a tent and smote it, and it fell and overturned it. And the tent lay alone. And their interpretation is that this is a sword of Gideon and the sword of the Lord. And that scared them so much. And when uh, that guy at the campfire gave his interpretation of that dream, but... Uh, Gideon and his servant 
was laying out there, you know, they'd crawled up to where they could hear what was going on. And it strengthened Gideon because he could see that God had already gone before him into the campfire of the enemy and was, you know, instilling fear in them and confusion and everything. So they were ready to go. So God used that dream to strengthen Gideon to go ahead. And then later he used uh, 50 men and, you know, the lanterns surrounded the enemy and started to, uh, blowing their trumpets and it scared the enemy so bad they just fled and killed each other and just had a complete rout of the well hundreds of thousands of Midianites and here God used Gideon and 50 men then God had put so much fear and stuff in them and caused them to uh, run like that anyway uh, Daniel in chapter 2 Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and he couldn't remember what it was. And he was going to kill all of his uh, people, you know, that was supposed to be soothsayers or whatever like that and prophets he had and everything. They couldn't tell him. But then Daniel said, wait a minute, I, I, my God in heaven reveal us secrets like this. So he, in verses 28 and 29, he sought the Lord and God gave him interpretation of the dream. And uh, the king raised Daniel up to a position, you know, a high position of authority then because of uh, God giving him that dream. But then we've just gone through the uh, Christmas season here. And if you look in Matthew chapters 1 and 2, there's five dreams in Matthew. Uh, in Matthew 1.20, after uh, Mary had told Joseph that, you know, that uh, she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, uh, God gave Joseph a dream, but while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And then when the wise men came to them, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 12, the uh, Herod, when they had asked Herod earlier, you know, where is this, you know, uh, babe that's being born, you know, the new king? Well, Herod uh, told him, hey, you go look for him and for him. And when you find him, come tell me. I want to go worship him also. But see, he wanted to go kill him. He didn't want another king being born in his kingdom. But then uh, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 12, it says, and being warned, talking about the uh, wise men, being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Then Matthew twelve thirteen, Matthew two thirteen, speaking to Joseph, and when they departed, the wise men, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child his mother and flee into Egypt. Be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And they lived over in Egypt for a while, and in Matthew chapter two verse nineteen. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead, which sought the young child's life. Matthew 22 says, And when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea, Judea, it's talking about Joseph, in the room of his father Herod, Joseph was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. So see, there was five dreams right there in the first two chapters of Matthew. Now, when Jesus was standing before Pilate, and Pilate was, you know, questioning him and like this, here, 
Pilate's wife in Matthew 27, 19, sent to him a message that she had received in a dream. This is like a love message now from God to Pilate. You know, Jesus had to be crucified, but Pilate didn't have to, didn't have to be the specific one to do it. In Matthew 27, 19, um, God sent Pilate a dream through his wife, and his wife then came and told Pilate, when he was set on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, have thou nothing to do with this just man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. See, people believe that his wife was a Christian and that she had been naturally praying for her husband and that this was God's way of getting a final message to him. You don't have to be a part of this. You can get out of it. And then again in the uh, New Testament, Acts chapter 2, verse 17, that shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So uh, God still works in dreams today. Many dreams. I've had many dreams where the Lord taught me things. It would be interesting sometime maybe to share a bunch of them with you, but uh, it was really exciting to know that the Lord was speaking to me in that way. Visions are very similar to dreams. Uh, God spoke to Abram, Genesis 15, 1, and these things, the word of the Lord came into Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Now, dreams, we normally consider them to be like we're asleep at night and we have the dream. Now, a vision, a person can either be awake, asleep, a night vision or something. Now, in First uh, Samuel 3, Verses 11 through 15, uh, Samuel was a little boy, and he had been living with the Eli, the priest, and uh, learning the, you know, the duties of the priests and everything. And uh, God gave, you know, called out to him three times and um, gave him visions here of warning Eli about his sons, because Eli had some evil sons, and God had spoken to him. But here, God spoke through the little boy, um, Samuel, to Eli and said that God was going to, you know, uh, punish them and take their life because of the evil they had been doing, you know, at the temple. The prostitution and everything, and, and they were taking money from people, and they just, they were doing this. And Eli knew about it, the priest, but he didn't discipline his children. And so Eli and his two sons, they, they were all going to be punished for this. And uh, God told Samuel in this vision about this. Then there's uh, Daniel again in Daniel chapter 219. There was a, it says a dream of Nebuchadnezzar revealed in Daniel in a night vision. Now see here it says a night vision. Instead of, Nebuchadnezzar had to dream, but it was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven and went and told it to Nebuchadnezzar. The book of Obadiah starts out, the vision of Obadiah, thus saith the Lord God concerning Adam. See, that uh, book was a vision from the Lord. Nahum, chapter 1, verse 1, the burden of Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum. See, in, uh, the book of Nahum then was a vision that God had given Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 to 4 
And the Lord answered me, speaking of Habakkuk, and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon the tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. And that's repeated again in Romans 10, 17. Uh, just shall live by faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And it's impossible to please God without faith. So see, even in the Old Testament, the just had to live by faith. When the Apostle Paul was struck down on the road to Damascus, and uh, he was blinded, and they took him into Damascus, and here Ananias, one of the disciples there, in Acts chapter 9, verse 10, there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord, in a vision, Ananias, he said, behold, I am here, Lord. So he recognized his being God and said, I am here. Well, he was going to tell Ananias in the division to go pray for the Paul, his anointed one, and Ananias was afraid to. Ananias said, well, Lord, he's been, you know, killing people and everything. But then uh, God told him, he said, he's my chosen one. He's going to, you know, uh, be my representative and everything. Go, and, you know, uh, he's changed now. And Ananias went over then and uh, prayed for the apostle Paul, and he was able to see again. And then uh, in Acts chapter 10, when Cornelius sent, sent after uh, Peter to tell him what to do to be saved, uh, Peter wasn't normally, at that time, the Jews did not go to uh, Gentiles, which Cornelius was. Well, God had to give Peter three visions, and that's Acts chapter 10, Verse 3, 10, 17, 19, gave him three visions to get him to uh, go talk to Cornelius and tell him what to do. So uh, God's used people. He's used his Bible. The Holy Spirit speaks to us, dreams, visions. Uh, next week, I will continue on in this end and finish up the next three or four ways that God speaks, spoke to people in the scriptures. And prayerfully that some of you will be receiving some of these messages from the Lord this week if you seek him with all your heart. Hello. I'm interrupting here in the broadcast. I'm Richard Harden. I had to remove some of the outdated material from the station breaks in today's program. So to complete today's broadcast, I'm adding a short message on is God in total control? I mentioned some of this earlier in the broadcast already, but I want to share with you in a little more detail now to complete today's broadcast. When I listen to some of my older past programs that I plan on running like I did today, I like them so much because of their content, because they have so much good information that we all need to be aware of, and uh, I don't really feel like I could actually do them over again any better than before, or maybe not even as good. So from time to time, I will be adding some short messages at the end of, you know, some of the older programs if I rerun them, where I've had to, you know, remove outdated material. 
I actually look forward to having this opportunity to broadcast short subjects like this because there are some subjects that you and I need to be aware of and discuss that would not be long enough to take you know a full hour to cover on a full broadcast so I will be able to add these short subjects in from time to time at the end of other programs that I rebroadcast. I appreciate you listening in so now we'll continue today's program and discuss is God in total control of everything this might help change your attitude a little bit about God and I hope so especially when you know these disasters happen and people blame things on God that uh, well since he's in total control you know he allowed it to happen and you know so in a sense you'll see that the devil is actually blaming God for things that's not his fault you wonder how can that be well I want to share a little bit more about that now maybe that'll clear that up for you so now going is God in total control of everything welcome to another little short message about one of the characteristics of God that is mistaught in our society like for example is God in control of everything like when 9-11 took place or other tragedies so many ministers will come out and say well God's in control God's in control of this and you know just there's something good will come out of it like this but that's not true God is not in control of everything like this that happens the uh, scripture says in Matthew 20 and 18 that Jesus Jesus says all power is given unto me in heaven and earth and in some of the versions of the scriptures it says not only all power but it says all authority and the RSV and some of the others so all power and authority is given unto Jesus now so how can he not be in control then well in 1st John 5 19 1st John 5 19 the King James it says the whole world lieth in wickedness now the NIV though New International Version says the whole world lieth life in control of the wicked one the good news says the whole world is under rule of the evil one and in some of the versions say that uh, the whole world is under the power of the wicked one but that's not true because Jesus has all power and uh, authority is given unto him but now for these that say that uh, the devil's in control of the world how could that be true if Jesus has all power and authority well 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11 says, Forgive others, lest you give Satan the advantage. So if you or I fail to forgive somebody, we're giving Satan advantage in our life, and he has control during that time. Ephesians 4, 26, 27 says, Be angry, sin not, let not the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. See, if I hold that anger and bitterness in my heart, you know, like that, I'm giving place to the devil. And when I give him place in my life or advantage in my life, in Deuteronomy 28, there's all kind of curses listed there that he'll bring in to my life because I won't be in proper fellowship with God and I won't have the, you know, the shield of faith up because faith is accepting and obeying God's word. So during that time, I'm rejecting God's word. <coughs> I'm failing to forgive like he asked us to. So as long as I'm intentionally failing to forgive and, and hold things, anger and bitterness against people, or there's a lot of other ways too, failing to seek the Lord for his will. Second Chronicles 12:14 said Rehoboam, Solomon's son, did evil 
because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. So see, if, if we aren't seeking the Lord for his will in our life, that's evil, and we're giving Satan advantage in our life. So that's how the devil gets control of so many people that are Christians. Now, also, for those that aren't Christians, you know, like in Romans chapter 1, uh, God says, you know, that his glory is, you know, is evident in the universe that uh, we're all without excuse that uh, you know he gives people over when they come to knowledge of him uh, and don't respond to it when they know him and then they fail and reject you know they're given over to the lust of their flesh and everything and the devil has uh, complete control in their life just about except for God's mercy that still exists and for people that are rejecting God, like in our society, pushing him out of schools, pushing him out of all the public places, you know, his, his images and things like this that remind people of him. Well, you know, the devil has control in their life and they don't even realize it. So most of the people in our society, <coughs> excuse me, the devil has control their lives. And for those of us that are Christians, throughout our our walk with the Lord like that, when we turn from him willfully and fail to forgive and, you know, fail to follow his uh, instructions to be angry and sin not like this, pray for those that despitefully use you, we're giving Satan advantage in our life during those times. Now, so Satan has control during those times because we are out of fellowship with God, so we're giving him control. Now, that's something we need to really be concerned about because we do not want Satan to control us. So many Christians are sick right now because they've held something in their heart, unforgiveness or hate or bitterness or something like this, and all it would take is just repenting and turning back and saying, Lord, please forgive me, and allowing him to clean up your hearts, clean them out, and, and get that healing that you need or whatever it is. But... God doesn't make us serve him. We have to make the choice to willfully serve him. So the devil does have control when we know God's will and we reject it and then just keep right on going. But um, like it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, it says just because God doesn't you know, bring punishment to us or something like that for what we do, immediately that people just continue on in sin and don't realize it. But see, this is not... Uh, God's will for us his will for us is to walk with us in faith when we accept and obey his word and he asks us to forgive I know it's difficult to but we must do it or we're willfully placing our hands in the hand of Satan and walking with him during that time he's going to bring curses on us he's going to do other things and we're going to suffer for it because we've well intentionally given him control of our life during that time. And that's why God is not in control of everything because he gives us a free will to do that. He won't make us serve him. He won't make us forgive people. But you've got to make the choice there. And if he calls us to do something like teach a class or to work with young people and we reject it, see, we're rejecting the living God and we're going to be out of fellowship with him there too. He won't make us serve him. But when we're rejecting his service and everything, we're not going to be the kind of people that can just be 
so pleasing to God that we get all our prayers answered. Like in 1 John 3.22, it says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive him, because we obey his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And see, we reject teaching classes or working with young people and serving him. We're not going to be pleasing to him like that. We'll still be his children and everything. And like in John 15.7, where it says, if ye abide in Jesus says, If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Well, see, if he's asking us to teach a class or to go down the street and visit a neighbor and help the neighbor or something, and we reject it, his words aren't abiding in us. So we won't be in fellowship with him then to get answers to prayer if we willfully reject doing that. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, dwell your wives according to knowledge, being joint heirs of grace of life, uh, lest your prayers be hindered. See, family relationships can cause a hindrance to our prayers and be out of fellowship. And during that time, the devil has advantage in our lives. Anyway, pray about that. I have so a lot of other things like that in my books I'd like to encourage you to take a look at at my website www.rahardin.com there's a book tab up top and you click on the face of the books and they give you a summary and there's so many things like this that's not being taught in our society that should be and then there's so many other things that are being taught right opposite of what they are anyway have a good day and God bless you And you know, as Christians, we have a new heart from God and the Spirit of Christ, God's power in us. God is love, and His Spirit is in our hearts. In John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love, God, casts out fear, because fear is torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love or God yet. So in James 4, 7, the scripture says, Submit therefore to God. For his spirit in you, resist the devil, fear, and he, the devil in fear, will flee from you. When you start getting apprehensive about something, like starting to fly or a storm coming, looking ahead at what might happen to you in your job, your health, don't just worry and think about these future events, or maybe something that you're even going through right now. Philippians 4, 6 says, when you start getting anxious, turn to God then by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Your request and your concern to be known to God. Worrying won't help you one bit, but it will cause you to miss God's blessings to you during that time. So, choose, make the choice yourself to set yourself in submission to God in prayer, talking to God, and counting your blessings from past things, experiences with God, then watch the devil and fear flee from you. Now, always let your anxiety be a red flag to remind you to pray. God loves you. He will hear you. And in First Colossians one twenty-seven, Christ in us, our hope of glory. So have a good day. God bless you. And be set free. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign.
ALRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. You're listening to the Spark Radio Network, internet radio like you've never heard before. Innovation, creativity, and imagination are all said to begin with a spark. So fasten your seatbelt and take the ride of your life and listen for the spark. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord. Right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. Mm-hmm. 